Ephesians chapter 6. Ephesians 6 and beginning to read at verse 10. Apostle Paul writes, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all to stand, stand therefore, having your loins girt about with truth and having on the breastplate of righteousness and shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Above all, taking the shield of faith wherewith you may be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, Praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit. Watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. Keep your Bible open for we will be referring to that chapter to some extent. Let's pray. Father, we ask thee now to take your word, to inscribe it in every heart to imprint it upon every mind and to glorify your Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. Father, we ask you that you would build us up upon our most holy faith and that we would leave here fortified in the Spirit, fortified and built up in the Word of God. And Lord, that we would leave here, Lord, knowing that we're assured and we are secure in Christ. Lord, that we would be ready for the day and ready for the battle ahead, whatever comes our way, for we'll be clothed, and we'll have on the whole armor of God. Break your word as you break bread, Lord Jesus. Break it that we may be filled, filled to overflowing this morning. And we ask you, Lord, that you would have your word reside in us, Lord, and that you'd have your word grow down and to grow with deep roots, to grow up and out bearing great fruit for your kingdom and for your glory. Lord, hide every personality behind your Son. Father, we pray that you would take every distracting thought and every opposing spirit and bind them under the mighty name of Jesus. That the Word of God would have free course in this place this morning. And that he alone would be seen and exalted. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. The apostle tells us in Ephesians chapter 6, as he's writing to the Ephesian church, and of course, writing as it were to you and I this morning, the apostle says these words in verse 12. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, 
but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. You know, when Paul is writing this, he's saying there's a physical, material world. And behind the physical, material world, there's a spiritual world. There's the kingdom of light, and there's the kingdom of darkness. And Paul is saying that as you and I as Christians, as born-again, blood-washed, blood-bought believers, as Christians, you and I will have a fight on our hands to walk with Christ. Already this morning, people are saying, if you only knew the fight I've had, if you only knew the struggle I've been through, and I feel so weak, well, rejoice this morning because you're here. You're under his word. And Christ will never, ever allow anyone or anything to take you from his hand or his father's hand, nor will anything in this life, nor your past life, nor the life that is to come, whether physical or spiritual, no matter what it is, will be able to separate you from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. You see, we must rest everything that we are We must rest everything that we have for our eternal welfare, for our soul salvation. We must rest it completely, fully, and totally on Christ and his work, his finished work at the cross. If you go back to the cross and you learn what Christ has done at the cross, people say, why keep referring to the cross? Why keep referring? Can you not tell us a nice story? No, because when we go back to the cross, the cross changed heaven and earth, as it were. Cross changed time and eternity. The cross is where the pivotal point of the universe is. It's at the cross. And when you learn what Jesus, the Son of God, has accomplished at the cross of Calvary, it wasn't just, well, you took my sin, you bled and died. Nice little story. The whole atonement for spirit, soul, and body, everything that we are, have, and ever have done was all born on Christ at the cross of Calvary. The cross is the most important thing that has ever happened in the whole of humanity's history. The cross is the most important thing that has ever happened from Adam was in the garden and fell. The cross is the most important thing for your life. People say, well, that's just... Teach me something different. Well, I teach things different all the time, but we always refer you to the cross because it's there. Jesus shed his blood and died, and there he paid the debt. It's there that Christ has borne it all and paid it all. So when Paul says there's a a physical world, a material world, that is, and he says there's physical leaders, there's, as it were, uh, human leaders, but behind them you have to look, and there is a spiritual world. I ask you this morning, what, is allowed, what have you allowed to drive your life? Whom have you allowed to drive your life? Now, Christian, we're going to look this morning that if you're allowing the flesh, if you're allowing the world, if you're allowing the things of the world, if you are allowing the devil to have free course in your life, to drive your life, then that's the way your life will go. You'll become bitter. You'll become angry. You'll become angry at the wrong times with the wrong person. 
You'll, you'll become sorrowful. You'll become down. You'll, you'll allow so many things to come into your life. But Paul says, you are in a battle. You're in a warfare. But a few, as it were, allow not the flesh, but the spirit to drive your life, to lead your life, to guide your life. He will lead you into Christ. He will lead you to the cross. He will lead you to see who you are in Jesus. He'll lead you to see what he's done for you what he's accomplished for you, and who you are in him in heavenly places. He will allow you and lead you to see things that was even prayed this morning, that the Lord would reveal himself to us more and more as we walk with him. And you cannot have revelation of God unless the Spirit of God shows you revelation. So the more you walk with Christ in the Spirit, And the word, the more you'll learn who he is. The more you'll learn what he's accomplished. The more you'll learn what he's done. And so the more you'll learn what you are and whom you are in him. That's your strength this morning. If you don't know who Christ is, that is, you've only made that little, well, I want to get saved. And and I I don't mean to say little to be little, but I'm saying that just part of it. Well, I just want to get saved and just tinkle along, but we don't know the scriptures. We don't read the scriptures. We have no passion for Christ. We have no love for him. We have no love for the things of God, love for the word of God, no love for the prayer life. We have no love for the house of God. Uh, We have love for for fleshly things and worldly things and comfort things. Then you're being driven wrong and you'll die in faith as it were. You'll wither on the vine. But if you get to know the very author of this book, the Scriptures. Getting to know the author, this is the only book in the whole of this world. It's the only book, even considering other religious so-called books. This Bible you have in your hand is the only book where the author is present whenever it is opened. It's the only book. You can get all these other authors of the world if you want, and you can read your novels, and you can read the list, and I don't read them anyway, you know that, I think it's just man's imagination. But when you read those, the author isn't present. His thoughts may be, but this isn't just the thoughts of God, this is the Word of God. And when you open those scriptures, he reveals himself because he's present every time you open it. Everywhere you go, every day, every time. It's the only book where the author is present every time it's opened. Now, notice this. Paul says, looking behind even the leaders of his day, we think of the Roman Caesars. We think of uh, Herod, who was uh, uh, Herod Antipas, and so on. All those who we read of in our Bible. We we think of of Felix, who he he speaks to in the book of Acts, uh, and all those whom he stands before. We think of the, the, the Jewish leaders of the day, the Pharisees. He says, there's a spirit behind this. He says, there's a spirit behind this, and there's a, 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 there's a physical side, but yet a spiritual side. And I think as Christians, many times we think, well, the devil's so powerful. Listen, the devil isn't so powerful. Your father is almighty. There only is one almighty. There can't be two almighties. Or else one almighty is all unalmighty. He almighties himself. There can only be one almighty and he's our God. He is our father who is in heaven. So let's not give the devil any uh, due praise because he is not worthy of it. 
But understand, we're told that things will come against us. So when we know who our God is, we'll be able to deal with these things better. Paul says, For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. So now Paul tells us of taking on the armor of God. Do you know in 2 Timothy chapter 2, verses 1, 3 and 4, notice what Paul says. Just for time's sake, I'll read it. I've written it down. Thou therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. Verse 3, he says, Thou therefore endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. Then in verse 4, he says, No man that warreth entangleth himself with the affairs of this life, that he may please him who hath chosen him to be a soldier. Now grasp that Christian this morning who's going through a hard time. Could it be that you're going through something, putting sin out of the camp, as it were, that it's not of your own doing? But could it be that you're going through something because God has seen you fit to bear it? He has chosen you to be a good soldier. He's chosen you that you would go forward in his name. He has placed you in his army. Notice what he says here. He says, Thou therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. Notice again verse 3. Thou therefore endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. And then verse 4. No man warreth and tangleth himself with the affairs of this life, that he may please him who hath chosen him to be a soldier. When we are putting on our armor and taking it and still moving forward, soldiers get tired, soldiers get weary, soldiers get injured, soldiers get hurt. But soldiers can get battle-hardened where the next one they learn in the battlefield for the next battle. Maybe the next battle is a bigger one. Maybe the next battle is a harder one, a more dangerous one. But when you learn to put on all your armor, you're going to learn how to handle your weapons of warfare. Do you know when you get saved, you have every weapon at your disposal? You have all the armor at your disposal. But you know what the problem is? Christians don't train. They don't go into the pretend battlefield, as it were. And always they don't want to wait until they're ready to use their armor. You don't just put a soldier, stick on the armor, and send them into the battlefield. They train them up. They train them up. So here Paul says, endure it. How many times you could say, well, you know, I'd rather go somewhere to here where you tell me, there, 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 everything's going to be all right. And as from today, you'll never have any hassles. Come to Jesus and everything's fine. That's a lie. You're in a war. You're in a battle but you're already on the winning side. You're on the winning team. The Bible, read the back of the book. You see, I told you before when I was in maths in school, and I remember going into Mr. Anderson's class, and we called him Baldy Andy. And, and we went to Baldy Andy's class. And Mr. Anderson was teaching us, and he opened up this big book and it was all the, the, the all the maths questions in it and so on and, and he gives us all a copy each 
and he says, I want you, here's a, such and such a page and such and such a numbers of, I want you to go and do those for your homework and come back. Well, here, my, my, I was reading it and it looked like double dutch to me. And I hadn't a clue, I hadn't announced what to do, and I happened to be flicking through the back of the book, and lo and behold, there was the answers. So there was the question, I'd done a little uh, equals, and I'd done the answer. So after the weekend, I come in, and I leave the, the book with Mr. Anderson, and Mr. Anderson, he's going through the books, and I hear, uh, Davidson? Yes, Mr. Anderson? Come up here. So I come up to the front of the class and he says, What's this? I says, My homework, sir. What's my homework? He says, uh, There's the question, there's the answer. I says, Isn't that what you wanted, sir? He says, Son, do you think I don't know the answers are in the back of the book? And I says, Do you, Mr. Anderson? <laughs> he says, It's not the answer, son. We know the answer. He says, I wanted you to show on paper the working out of it. The working out of it. From the question to the answer, there's the working out of it. There's the warfare of the mind. There's the battle of it. And so it's the working out of your salvation, not your working for your salvation. You're saved by grace through faith, through the precious blood of Christ and Christ alone. And it's not adding to what Christ has done, but you are working out your salvation. You're putting on your armor, and you're saying, Lord, today I don't understand. Lord, today I can't comprehend. Lord, today I have no strength left, but I'm putting on the armor. I'm working it out because you're with me. And I know the back of the book says, I will overcome. I'll be victorious. You're on the winning side. You're on the winning team. Jesus has already won. Back of the book, Revelation 19 says he comes on a white charger and he comes to make war. It's not with you who are saved. He comes to make war with the unsaved and the ungodly. So you are on the winning side. Let's be good soldiers of Jesus Christ. There are six parts, if you want, to the armor of God. Let's look at it then, Ephesians Chapter 6, please. Ephesians chapter 6. Let's read verse 14. Stand therefore having your loins girt about with truth. So here we have the first part, girdle of truth. Secondly, having on the breastplate of righteousness. Verse 15, and your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Here's your footwear. And then verse 16, above all, taking the shield of faith, wherewith ye shall quench all the fiery darts of the wicked. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. Okay, so we're looking at the loins girt about with truth. The breastplate of righteousness, your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace, the shield of faith, the helmet of salvation, the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. So let's put it on this morning as we go through it, okay? And put it on every morning. You know, Paul points out six pieces, and there's actually really seven. 
There's seven. Now let me show you where the seventh one is. Notice what it says here. Let's just read our, our verses again. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 11. Put on, sorry, verse 10. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. See the words here, be strong. Be strong. It's the word endunomo. Endunomo. And it means to endue. Be endued with the Lord Jesus. Be endued with the strength of God. Be endued by him. In fact, it gives the idea of putting on an undergarment. So there's your seventh, seventh piece. When you put on armor, you just didn't throw the armor onto your bare skin, but you had an undergarment on. And so when you were putting it on, Paul is saying, be strong in the Lord, be endued by him. In other words, let his strength be your strength. Now listen, brothers and sisters, before we go any further, if you don't put on your undergarment, the rest isn't going to fit. You're not going to be comfortable in it. If you don't realize to put your strength in Christ, if you don't realize that your strength is not of you but in him, you're going to fall at every hurdle. You're going to be weak every moment. You're going to say, I'm a saved, I'm a lost, I don't know where I'm coming or going. You, your strength is in God. Our flesh fails us every moment of every day. Our minds fail us. Our thinking fails us. Our hearts fail us. So we are covered with the strength of God. I can't do it this morning. Well, you know what? You can put on the strength of God. Rest in him. Rest in him. How do you rest in God? Believe him that he'll bring you through. Believe him that even though you feel weak, spirit, soul, body, whatever way you are, his strength is what will carry you. He doesn't expect you to do miracles. He doesn't expect you to do cartwheels. He doesn't want you to run around the whole village. He doesn't want you to to be rapping every single door. He's saying, sit back and rest in me. But my mind won't allow me. Then you put your mind in Christ. Put your mind in him and say, Lord, if you don't do this, I can't. If you're not here to work on this, it won't work. I'm just falling, as it were, a dead man, a dead woman at your feet and trusting in your strength. That is then he endures you because then he gets the glory. If you're saying I'm going in my strength or I'm going in the strength of what the pastor has said or I'm going in the strength of what some Christian has said, you're not going to make it. You have to go in the strength and the power of the Lord. It's not some hyper-charismatic spiritual movement. It's not a hyper-charismatic spiritual manifestation. It's a simple belief of the heart by saying, Lord, take a wheel, take over, take charge, take control, because I can't. And trusting him for it, believing him in it, and relying upon him through it. Do you think your Lord's going to say, when you feel so down and out, and weak. Do you feel it? Do you think your Lord's going to say, ah, you know what? You haven't been praying 24 7. You're not mine anymore. Come off it, brothers and sisters. He saved you when you were in your sin, He paid your price when you were in your sin, He loved you when you were in your sin, and He gave Himself for you because you were in your sin. Now, I'm not advocating we don't pray. Of course I'm not. I'm not advocating we don't read. Of course I'm not. But there are times when people 
And when you're going around visiting and you're listening to people, you realize the weakness where people get. Then comes condemnation. Then comes condemnation because I haven't got out and I haven't been to a meeting every single night and I haven't been to uh, uh, some prayer meeting every single morning at 7 o'clock in the morning. and That's condemnation, brothers and sisters. There's no condemnation to them that are in Christ Jesus. You walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. And your flesh may be weak, but you're saying, Father, I'm trusting you. I can't. But when you charge my spirit again, I will be up and serving. They that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. Be endued with strength is put on the Lord Jesus. Put on your garment before your armor. Clothe yourself with his strength. And here's the thing to tell you. Most soldiers had someone to dress them. To help them tie on. To help them to get dressed. And the only way you're going to find out how to put on your undergarment and how to be endued with strength is to know the one who dresses you. To be unashamed in his presence to be unashamed, you could stand there. Look, whenever they were getting dressed, I'm not trying to be crude, but they were naked. And they were helped to get dressed. And they had to get to a relationship with the dresser that even though they were bare and they were naked and they were exposed to all that they would see, they were totally comfortable because they knew the person. And there was no ambiguity in it and there was no other motive in it. There was nothing else in it. But the person would help them get dressed and it was between him and them. If you get into that presence with God and say, Lord, here I am. I'm exposed in all my failures and my faults. I'm exposed in, in my nakedness before you. Nakedness is a result of the fall, the, the, the sin and nakedness link. They, knew, they hid from the Lord in the garden when he came after they'd sinned. He says, uh, 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 he says, why were you hiding? And they says, because we were naked. And he says, who told you you were naked? See, it was the, the very loss of that. And Christ wants to bring you back into I'm not talking about a physical nakedness. I'm talking about nakedness of the spirit and of the soul. He wants you to be bare naked before him and say, Lord, here I am. I can do no other. Here I am, Lord. You see me right through. I'm being honest before you. I'm open. I'm honest. Here I am. Will you clothe me? Because I can't. Endure me with your power, your strength, because mine is totally gone. And when you have a relationship with the one who is dressing, You'll feel totally at ease. And Christ is the dresser here. He will dress you with the undergarment before you put on his armor. Notice this. Clothe yourself with the strength of God and not in your own. Paul says in Romans 13 and 14, verse 14, Put ye on the Lord Jesus Christ and make not provision for the flesh to fulfill the lust thereof. Now, before we just throw on the first piece, we'll have to move briefly, quickly, sorry. And in verse 11 of our reading, notice what it says, put on the whole armor of God. Put on the whole armor 
of God. Now, as you go to verse 13, it says, Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God. Notice, wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God. There's a difference here in the way it is spoken of uh, in in the Greek tense. For example, wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God. Uh, it, it gives the idea of, of a difference than putting on the whole armor of God. Put on the whole armor of God in verse 11. It, it gives the idea that here is the soldier, here is the picture, here is your armor, Christian, you're watching it. Have you read it in, a, in the book of Ephesians chapter 6? There's your armor. And he says, here's every piece of your armor. Here's your six parts. Now you need to be endued. You need to be clothed. You need to be strengthened before you put on your armor. Now be endued and clothed and strengthened in Jesus. Now put on your armor. And the armor's there. There's all your pieces. This is everything you need. You're reading it this morning. By the time you get to the next tense, Paul says here in verse 13, put on the Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God. It's known as an aorist imperative. And it gives the idea of a military command and a snap. Now, brothers and sisters, forgive me, but I'm going to tell you what it means for you this morning, and maybe it'll drop into your spirit. First of all, here's your whole armor. Ephesians chapter 6. Here it is. Here's the six pieces. Now I'm saying, be clothed and endued with Christ. Put your all, your trust, your hope, and rest in him. He will clothe you first. Be close to the dresser. Be naked and bare before him with everything that you are and all that you have. He will clothe you with his strength. Here's your armor. Now this is the way it goes. Now put it on. That's what Paul's saying. Now put it on. Now put it on, brother. Now put it on, sister. How many Christians say, oh, oh, I can't do it. And you get up, you get a bit of strength, and the Lord says, now you're moving. Come on, keep going, son. Keep going, daughter. I've now clothed you my strength. Thank you, Lord. And thank you, Lord. And as soon as they feel a bit okay, they forget their armor, and they go into battle, and they're slain again. So Paul says, there's your armor, Ephesians 6. Put it on. That's what it reads. It's like a military command. Attention, put it on. So, we put it on that you may be able to withstand the evil day. And having done all to stand, the word is to resist. Having done all to oppose the devil. All he has to throw at you. Stand with the armor on. He says you don't even have to do anything. Stand with it on and he cannot. He cannot pass it. Having done all to stand, he says... Stand, therefore. So, having your loins girt about with truth. Part one of the armor, and we'll run through this quickly. Stand, therefore, having your loins girt about with truth. The term here, girt about with truth, simply means after you're enclosed and endued with Christ's power, gird your loins, put a girdle on you. A girdle of truth. The girdle of truth. Paul gives the idea here that this is a girdle and it wrapped, after you had an undergarment, it wrapped around the waist. 
And they come up around one leg and wrapped around the waist, come up around another leg and wrapped around the waist again. And Paul says that girdle enabled them to bend side to side, front and back. Enabled them to twist and enabled them to turn and battle. Was able them to be flexible, as it were, in the middle. And he says, if you have truth, he says, you'll be able to still move within the parameters of the Word of God. You'll be able to look at all the truth what God says for you and about you. You'll be able to look at the truth of what he has for you and what he'll do with you. You'll be able to look at the truth of the cross, the truth of his blood. You'll be able to look at the truth of his son, the truth of his deity, his miraculous life. You'll be able to look at all of these things. You'll be able to stand and you'll be able to move using all of the weapons God has placed for you. But you must put on the girdle first. I'll tell you why. Because the girdle held the sword and held the breastplate. The girdle held the sword and it held the breastplate. In other words, the sword of the Spirit is the Word of God. You can't have truth if you don't have the Word. And you can't have the Word if you're going to mix it up with your own truth. You have to have it together. They were held together in the same place. In other words, the truth girdled the Word. It's no good, brothers and sisters, taking the Word of God which we have spoken about. It's no good taking this book and making it fit your circumstance to suit yourself. But take the truth of it, the truth of it for your circumstance, even if it doesn't suit yourself and it'll set you free. It'll change your life. It may challenge you. It may convict you. It may compel you. But one thing it will do is it will change you. It'll change everything around. You can say, well, I like that bit, but I don't like the other bit. This is the whole book, the whole word of God. Let's take it in its context that God is giving it to us. We can't take the word to suit ourselves, but we must have ourselves suit the word. Truth and the word, the sword of the spirit, go hand in hand. They are bound, inextricably linked together. And of course, the breastplate is the breastplate of righteousness. Verse 14, having on the breastplate of righteousness. A soldier going to battle will put on a breastplate to protect his, his heart and his vital organs of his body. So Paul relates the breastplate to righteousness, the vital organs of the spiritual body. And what he's saying is it also is linked to the girdle of truth. You can't have truth if you don't have righteousness, and you can't have righteousness if you don't have truth. And absolute truth only and exclusively is available in the person of Christ. Absolute truth. People say there is no absolute truth. There is. He's a person, the Lord Jesus Christ. Absolute truth is the Son of God. Absolute truth is the Word of God. Absolute truth is a person, the Lord Jesus Christ. So here is having Christ in the heart and close to the heart, his word at our side, as it were, and girded together, inextricable with our body. When we move, it moves. When we walk, it walks. Or when it walks, we walk. 
And we walk with it, bearing it on the chest. You know the chest, the breast here, where we walk and all see the front parts of the man, the front parts of the woman. Here is the part where the heart is, where the devil would love to destroy. The spiritual heart for Christ. Put on the breastplate of righteousness. The breastplate of righteousness, Satan would like to attack it but cannot get through it when we have it in truth. The, the heart is the seat of the man's emotions, the woman's emotions. Did you know that? The seat is the heart of your emotion. The seat of your emotions is your heart, your feelings. Here's another thing about it. Your self-worth. Your self-worth. Now, I'm not saying we are to be arrogant and puffed up and full of pride, for that, is the, that is, goes against the gospel. But our self-worth is in Christ. Remember, your undergarment is that you, who you are in him. But he would love to hit your heart, hit those softer organs, those vital organs. Why? That he may destroy you, your self-worth. You start to feel, oh, the old devil tells you, oh, I've hit you now, boom, you're not worth anything. Why would Christ love you? Why would he forgive you? Why would he shed his blood for you? Are you sure you're saved? You're not really his. And your heart starts to be hit left, right, and center until your self-worth in Christ becomes like nothing. The breastplate of righteousness is attached to the girdle, and so they go hand in hand. 2 Corinthians 5 and 21 says, For he hath made him to be sin for us who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. Do you know when the Lord looks at you in Christ, he sees you righteous, positionally you're righteous. But the breastplate means more than that. Here you're saying, I'm righteous in Christ. I'm righteous in Christ. I can go on. Even, even though I feel, I'm not saying we should feel or try to feel, but even though we do feel because we're human, I'm righteous in Christ because of what he has accomplished, because what he has done, because he has paid the price at Calvary. See, it all goes back to the cross. I'm righteous in him. But bearing the breastplate of righteousness means we walk righteously. We live our lives right. Brothers and sisters, you can't walk with one foot in the world and one foot in Christ. You cannot serve two masters. You cannot turn around and say, I'm a Christian on Sunday, but I'm a a club goer on a Saturday evening. And listen, there are many people doing it. There are many people saying, all right, clubbing all all night and a Saturday night or a Friday night or whatever night it is, and they come into church and some of them are on our worship teams. Brothers and sisters, we need righteousness in the church. Right living before God and before the world. And if we aren't right living, and we are walking in an open course of sin continually and habitually, then we must look at this to say, we have not, we have justifying righteousness, but no sanctifying righteousness. We have justifying righteousness, but no sanctifying Righteousness. Moving quickly, verse 15 tells us, And your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. The gospel of peace, your feet shod. The idea here was, Paul sees two soldiers in this writing, in our reading. Here, the, the, the armor is, the armor of God is likened to the Roman armor, Roman soldier's armor, but the wrestling is likened to the Greek wrestler training for his service. And so here he says, put on your shoes of the preparation of the gospel of peace. The the shoes actually had studs in them, like nails through them to give them grip. 
when they're in battle and the force came against them, they put their feet firm in the ground. The shield went up and they stood and they were gripped. And the enemy came against them and couldn't break the defense shield. Couldn't slide them back. There was no backsliding. You know why? Because their feet were in firm ground. Christ is your firm foundation. If you have the relationship with the dresser, you'll have your feet in firm foundation. The studs went into the ground. I suppose it's a bit like a footballer where the studs go in to give them grip and their sprint off and their turnings and so on. And so they are shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace, the good news that Jesus saves, the good news that Christ came and he bled and he died for our sins, the good news of who we are for the more we tell the good news and witness the good news and preach the gospel and defend the gospel. And the more we do it, the stronger we get. Do you know what's wrong with the church? They're afraid to witness for Christ. You know why the church are weaker? Because they've put off their shoes and they're being pushed back. They're sliding as the enemy is advancing. They're sliding back. They've no longer, they've took off their breastplate of righteousness and, and the enemy's fiery darts have come right through and they've went in and pierced many hearts and killed many of, of the saints of God. This is what is happening to the church in the 21st century. Get your shoes on. Get the shoes of the gospel on. The witness shoes. The glory shoes. Get them on. The shoes of the blood of Jesus. Get them firm in Christ in the ground. And hold up the shield of faith. And get ready. Because the enemy's coming. But you're on the winning team. You're on the winning side, brothers and sisters. That's why there's so many backsliders in Ulster in Britain today. Colossians 1 and 20, Paul says, we have made peace through the blood of his cross. And in Romans chapter 5 and verse 1 says, therefore being justified by faith, we shall have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. In other words, outside of Christ, there's no peace. And our shoes have no studs to grip the firm foundation. Fourthly, quickly, verse 16 says, above all, Taking the shield of faith. Notice the shield of faith. What for? Wherewith ye shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked. The shield of faith here, the word, it's a Greek word, thereos. And it gives the idea of a great big shield like a door. A great big shield like a door. We take this door. And the Romans used to get it and used to put it together and it was like a tortoise shell by the time they were finished, right up over the top. And they advanced with their studs in their feet, step by step. Step by step. Step by step. And the enemy was firing at them and firing at them and charging at them, but their feet were grounded. Step together. Step together. Unity together. Step together. Being in unity in Christ with a shield of faith. And the enemy... Could not break through it. They fired the fiery darts were, were arrows that were uh, dipped in tar, set on fire and fired at them. And if it went through, if there was no shield of faith, it would go right through the whole righteousness. You see, righteousness and faith go together. Faith in the righteousness of Christ, that he, his righteousness has been put on us. I'm righteous because of Jesus. We've been made righteous through the blood of his cross, through the blood of his son. 
were righteous because he was righteous. And the great transaction at Calvary's tree was that we took his righteousness and he took our unrighteousness. He, we took his righteousness on, on us and he took our sin and bore our sin in his own body on the tree for us. And so we walk in this righteousness with this shield of faith saying, it's not about me, it's all about him. It's not off me, it's all of him. It's about Christ and what Christ has done. It's off Christ and what Christ has done. See, once we lose the centrality of the person of the Lord Jesus Christ, and once we lose the centrality of the cross of Christ and the blood of Christ and the cross work of Christ, once we lose the centrality of the resurrection of Christ, the ascension of Christ, the high priestly ministry of Christ, and the coming again of Christ, see, he is center in all of it. And once we lose that, then we're defeated. I'm staying on the winning team. I'm staying on the victory side. I've placed mine all in Christ. In Christ alone. This door, Jesus says, I am the door. By me, if any man enter in, he shall be saved. Shall go in and out and find pastors. It's the same word. It's like this shield. He says, I'll be your shield. Come to me. There's no wrath of God when you're in Christ. God's anger is not against you when you're in Christ. He poured it out on the cross. But if you're not in Christ, you're under the wrath of God. Quenching all the fiery darts of the wicked. Fifthly, quickly, the helmet of salvation. Verse 17, take the helmet of salvation. The helmet of salvation. Soldier going to battle would hardly go without putting on his helmet. A fatal blow by a strike to the head and a fatal blow by a strike to the head in spiritual warfare would be as critical. And what do I mean is knowing you're saved. Saved by grace. Sovereign grace. The full atoning work of Christ. Keeping it in your mind. I'm saved because Christ died for me. I am saved because Christ shed his most precious blood for me. I am saved because Christ has paid my debt. I am saved and I am kept by the power of God through faith unto salvation. I'm saved and the devil cannot take me from his hand. I am saved eternally secure in the hands of God the Father. Keeping it in your mind. Keeping it in your mind. The helmet of salvation to protect you from the devil who would want to destroy you. Notice the helmet of salvation. The mind is a battlefield. The mind is a battlefield where wars, where battles are either fought and won or fought and lost. Say it again. The mind is the battlefield where either battles are fought and won or battles are fought and lost. Brothers and sisters, once the devil sees you have set down your helmet of salvation, it's in Christ. doesn't matter. I'm in Christ. What's come against me? I'm in Christ. He has paid it all. It's got nothing to do with my works or what I could do or my additions. I am nothing. My works were as filthy rags. I am saved through him. Once you set that down, 
and the devil starts to speak to you, he starts to bring in his axe upon the head and he starts to cleave the fatal blow. Battles are fought and battles are won. Battles are fought or battles are lost. Put on the helmet of salvation this morning, saying, no matter what I'm thinking, putting it on, Lord, I'm yours. I'm yours because you have bought me with a great price. Lastly, the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. The sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. You know, Matthew 4, the devil comes to tempt our Lord three times. And when you read that, the Lord uses the book of Deuteronomy three times. Notice, the Lord was an Old Testament believer. People say, I'm a New Testament Christian. You may be under the New Covenant, but you can't know it unless you know the Old Testament too. I'm a Old Testament believer. But notice this. He used Deuteronomy three times. It is written. It is written. It is written. Like a master swordsman draws it out, the sword out in battle. The master swordsman takes it from the sheath that is girdled with truth. And he takes out the sword. He says, "Uh uh-huh. If you're the son of God, he says, it is written, strike, it is written, strike. And the third parry, it's written. And the devil flees from him. Brother, sister, here is what Paul says. Put on the whole armor of God. Here it is, look. Ephesians 6. Put on the whole armor of God. Wherefore? Now put it on. That's the idea. Now put it on. Put on the whole armor of God. God bless his word this morning to all of our hearts. Thank you for your attention. It's been tremendous.